I'm going to hit record and it should say started recording. Okay. I'm going to read this off um, first. Um, oh, and I have to remember to speak a little bit softer. <laughs> um, oh, and if you're doing anything on, on your um, like computer or pen or, you know, if you have to take a drink, that's fine. Um, just start up, but I can hear like everything comes through on your, on your mics. So. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and your phone, cell phone, make sure your cell phone's off. But I'm on my phone. So how oh, that's do that? right. Okay, good. Yay. Okay. <laughs> I forgot about that. You called in on your phone. Okay. Yeah. I always remembered. I just looked at mine. I was like, I'm turning mine off. Okay. Um, hello and welcome to the caregiver stories podcast where we discuss all things dementia, including sharing caregiving blah, blah, blah. See, I'm still getting used to this. Mm -hmm. um, hello and welcome to the caregivers podcast where we discuss all things dementia, including sharing caregivers stories. My name is Kimberly Scott, and in 2013, my mom was diagnosed with dementia at the young age of 65, and after many years of feeling overwhelmed, I am just now getting comfortable with saying how overwhelming it was, or it is. According to Google, two-thirds of women are caregivers, and there are millions of caregivers out there that go unpaid. So after learning of those stats, I wanted to start this podcast to build awareness and basically, oop, I see I got off script, to build awareness and to educate those who don't know about dementia and get people talking about having that tough conversation about the what if you live, having that conversation with your loved ones, and maybe, just maybe, breaking that dementia cycle. If you want to share your story, knowledge, and or be a guest on Caregiver's Stories podcast, visit thatkimberly.com to sign up for, to be interviewed. And while you're there, you can also choose what platform you prefer to listen to, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and now Amazon Alexa. So now that I got that all out of the way, um, I'd like to introduce today's guest. This is Sue Paul. Hi, Sue. Hey, Kim. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Oh, I, I'm so happy to be here. I love podcasts. I'm sort of a, <laughs> I'm an addict myself to listening to them. So this is fun. Great. So tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm an occupational therapist and I have been doing work with seniors, um, older adults, most of my career, which is, I think, in its 28th year. Wow. Uh, I know. <laughs> I can't believe it's been that long. Um, what, so I'm also a certified health coach. I uh, dabble in fitness and personal training. I, um, I'm a writer as a hobby and a passion. Um, I'm an advocate for the Alzheimer's Association. I started a nonprofit <laughs> and run that. Um, yeah, so I do a lot of things. It's, it's generally all related to older adults and aging well and you know, trying to have discussions like this about um, problems that are very hard to solve because mm -hmm. uh, there's plenty of them to go around. Um, <laughs> but I've just kind of, you know, formed my roots in this arena, chronic disease management, and kind of how it all relates to our society and our treatment of older people and, um, you know, that we're all going to be older someday. How do we make that um, a smoother transition? For yes. For all of us. So yes. yeah, it's a lot. I do a lot. <laughs> I'm scattered, but well, yeah. Hey, that gives you a lot of expertise in many different, um, topics and, or, you know, as it relates to seniors and 
all things dementia is like what I like to say. Yep. <laughs> so um, this, this, you would be a great person to ask them, why is it then when people speak of the word dementia, they automatically assume Alzheimer's or associate Alzheimer's? You know, they didn't used to. Um, mm -hmm. They were, people were called senile. You know, oh. um, old, you know, when we were growing up, grandma was a little cuckoo, you know, <laughs> she, she had some senility, you know, and then Alzheimer's as a diagnosis came around, um, maybe in the eighties and nineties. And, and there was a big push to actually give people a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease because that made it a legitimate so, yeah. diagnosis, you know, something. Um, so now the trend seems to be like, oh, we're calling everything Alzheimer's. Uh, but in reality, Alzheimer's is just the largest type of dementia. You have, you can have dementia from over a hundred different, for a hundred different reasons. Yeah. Some of them are re reversible, some are not. Um, you could have dementia due to Parkinson's and dementia due to Lewy body. Yeah. You could have dementia due to, to vascular problems, to alcoholism. I mean, you can have a lot of different causes. It's just that Alzheimer's is the, the, the biggest one right okay. now. So. And you said some dementias are reversible? Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you, you have a, you know, someone, an older person who uh, kind of just starts slipping or they mentally and they, or they suddenly get confused and disoriented. And, you know, that's, that's a form of dementia. They're not, their okay. mental function has decreased. You come to find out, oh, they have a, a urinary tract infection and some, with some antibiotics, their mental function improves. Okay. Um, I see that a lot with isolated seniors who are just so poorly nourished or dehydrated. You know, they're just not as mentally sharp as they should be because they're not getting the right nutrition or fluid. So you, you, you fix that problem and you've restored their cognitive abilities. So that's a reversible type of dementia. Okay. Got it. That makes way more sense uh, to me um, than actually, you know, when that people put those two automatically together. So mm -hmm. you, you, you had, I know offline, we, you, you shared with me that, at, that it wasn't just very long ago that the, having the diagnosis of dementia w was covered by, you know, insurance, like, or the medications were covered by insurance. I believe you had said something about back in 2001 or in the 2000s. Oh, so, okay. Now let me clarify that for you. So in the, in the, it wasn't medications, but in the therapy world, um, okay. Physical, occupational, and speech therapists could not see somebody with a diagnosis of dementia because it meant that they couldn't get better. And uh, Medicare wouldn't approve any claim if someone had a diagnosis of dementia because they thought, well, this is an irreversible um, problem and you guys can't fix it. So there's no point in paying rehab rehabilitation services, you know. So and that was in my early career. So I started as an OT in the early 90s and, you know, I was in these really poorly funded nursing homes all over the country, actually. And, uh, you know, those people just sat and they were tied down and medicated and, and mm. we did not work with them, even if they broke their hip, even if they had a stroke, even if they had, um, you know, wounds and things like that, they, we couldn't, they couldn't be seen under Medicare. So Medicare overturned that in 2001 and suddenly the floodgates opened because like, you know, then the, you know, the family members would say, can you work with my mom? And mm -hmm. it'd be like, well, yeah, I can now because Medicare will, will pay the claim, except I just don't know how, <laughs> you know, like she can't follow my instructions. How am I going to do this? So yeah. that, that was the paradigm shift for me. Um, having been a really terrible OT for 10 years, um, you know, not helping the people that needed it most. Um, 
I yeah, kind of, you just said terrible. You weren't terrible. Yeah, I was able terrible. To help. I was terrible. <laughs> I, you know, because I, I was just part of that culture of, you know, those nursing homes were so depressing. And I don't know yeah. if you were a kid and you were in those hallways and they smelled like urine and the people were moaning and tied down. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was part of that. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to fix it. I wasn't expected to fix it, um, yeah. but it was just heartbreaking all the same. So it wasn't, you know, it's right around the year 2000 where I'm like, you know what? I've been doing this for 10 years and this population needs me. This is ridiculous. Like they need a lot of help. They need supplies. They need positioning devices. They need, I can, I can teach them how to feed themselves better. I can teach them how to, you know, engage with the environment better. They have potential here. This is so sad. So that's when I kind of turned my whole thinking on its head. I'm like, all right, what can I do to improve these people's lives, whether they understand my instructions or not, I can work around that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, I just need to kind of figure it out. And uh, so that's what I've spent the last 20 years is, is really honing my craft as far as um, finding ways to improve those, the lives of people with dementia and their caregivers. Well, what, what would you say as it relates to the caregiver has been the biggest uh, shift? Yeah, yes, for sure. Um, because first of all, there's more people with living with dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, and then the responsibility falls on the, the caregiver, the, the family member willing or not, (laughs) you know, like this, maybe, maybe the assumption is the spouse signed up for this when you took your vows, you know, for better, for worse, (laughs) for sickness and health. But you know, the adult son who lives in a different state who suddenly has, you know, all the responsibility of caring for a demented parent. Um, you know, they didn't sign up for that. They weren't expecting that. Um, you know, that happens all the time. So these caregivers are so strapped. I mean, they're trying to work. They have their own families. They have their own bills to pay. They don't have a a ton of time to sit and and figure this out or to, um, you know, handle all of the complications that come along with the journey because it doesn't get easier. Unfortunately, it only gets harder. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and more, more heartbreaking along the way too. So yeah. So shout out to caregivers. It's, it's a heroic job that you do for very little accolades or, you know, any kind of compensation. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a big, big job. What, what do you think would be the, in your opinion, the, um, the best resource for, or the first thing that a caregiver should think about when they get put into that position, when, you know, their loved one is diagnosed and they have to, you know, basically step up and. Yeah, this is, this is more of a textbook that mm. I have to write because there's no like predictable path. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it starts, it's, it usually it generally starts with their physician. That's where they go in. And, and most times they're very discouraged by that visit because the physician doesn't know what to do either. Honestly. Yeah. I was you know? very discouraged. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. they don't have the answer and they don't have time to help you with more of your, your functional problems you're having. You know, it's, mm-hmm. if, if there's a medicine for it, they can do that but there's not a lot of medicine for it. Yeah. So they just kind of sit there and they, you know, they sympathize for you, but there's not a lot of direction. So then your next step is the Alzheimer's Association, which is a fantastic organization. And they're working hard to put more legislation into place that will empower physicians because they are the front line to, Mm -hmm. to counsel more, to, um, care plan kind of what to do next. Um, so doctors in the future will be more, informed of, of how to lead them. Well, that's um, good to know. <laughs> yeah, that's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Um, so, um, what else? So gosh, there's so many things as the health. Give me two. Gosh, <laughs> give you two. Well, the yeah. next one would be, um, 
Oh, I don't even know. I can't give you a second one because it could go in any direction. Okay. Um, but you know, you want, there's, it just kind of depends what's going on. Do you have to make this home safer? Do they need more supervision? Do you try to simplify the, the clutter or the, you know, the hazards around their home? Do you take over the bills? Do you manage yeah. their medications? Just, you know, you kind of have to figure that out. If you want to get a good therapist in your life, there are plenty of physical and occupational therapists who um, can, can kind of guide what around the home, how to make that safer and, and where to target your energy. Cause it, uh -huh. it, it can be, it can be consuming as you know, it can be completely yes. overwhelming. Um, but you, so yeah. So then maybe your next choice is to find a good therapist that can come to the home and help you uh, figure that out. Does Medicaid pay, pay for, do they have resources that is it, is it Medicaid or Medicare? Which one? Medicare generally will, will pay for Yeah. They'll pay for a therapy visitor too. It kind of just depends on what's going on. Um, generally these people have another diagnosis oh. going along with it. They have arthritis and they have, maybe they've had some falls. Maybe they've had, you know, so there's, there's other complicating things that warrant therapy. A lot of times it doesn't have to just be for dementia. Uh -huh. um, so it all kind of gets lumped in the same bag, but um, yeah, so Medicare will pay for it. Um, if they're homebound, Medicare part a can pay a hundred percent of it. And if they are not homebound, meaning they can get out to appointments and things like that, then an outpatient benefit, which is their Medicare part B will pay 80%. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's something that's a, definitely a path I would go down. Get some, de definitely get help. Definitely don't be discouraged. Um, in having the conversation with more than just the physician is what I mean. No, you have to seek your mentors. You know, you can go to the support groups where people are already in the trenches and, and kind of know what they, what works for them. That's super yeah. helpful. There's yeah. online forums and Facebook groups. And I oh, think yeah, there's a lot, a lot of support to be found there. Yeah. Lots of Facebook, uh, forums and groups and communities, sometimes so many that it's, it's very overwhelming and sad because, um, sometimes I feel like from just looking at those that they're, that they're, the, the people in there are not necessarily getting out to find other resources and maybe they are, they're just, that's just the place that they go to vent. And so that's all mm -hmm. you see. But at the same time, you know, I have to turn off the um, notifications sometimes just. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's indicative of the cries for help out there. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because they, yeah. people just don't know what they don't know and they're, you know, kind of, you know, going at it blind and doing this because it's, you know, a, you know, their mother, their father, their husband, wife, you know, whatever, whoever, you know, um, and they're just doing, they're stepping up and doing the right thing. So yeah, it does become very overwhelming when, when, uh, going through all that. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, the direction and, and why senior scapes? Oh, okay. That's a fun one. So, you know, I've been doing this for so long, as I've said, um, mostly in the home. So I've been to literally thousands of people's homes and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> working on lots of, lots of chronic problems, but you know, dementia is always the big one. <clears throat> um, so it was, it was actually, something I've always said to myself is if I won the lottery or if I had a big bag of money, I would, I would have a place for people to with, with and without dementia, older mm -hmm. folks to be able to go that was free and accessible and they could work on, they could exercise, they could have be social. They could, um, be safe, be safe. Yes. Yeah. All the, I mean, just no place because so many of these people are just literally stuck in their homes, you know? Yeah. 
So I was in a, I was at a patient's home and this is a great story because so the, the daughter was about my age and she had two sons, um, you know, probably middle school age. And she had two parents that she lived with and her father had early stage Alzheimer's disease, meaning his, his memory was mostly impaired and he had terrible insight into his own deficits, meaning he had no clue that he was impaired at all. He thought he was fine, Oh wow! but he made really, really poor choices. <laughs> so like he would, um, you know, just kind of dismantle the lawnmower in the middle of winter, you wow. know, uh, or, <clears throat> and he frequently take the car out, um, which he wasn't really supposed to be driving, but he didn't think anything was wrong with him. Yeah. So she had that to deal with him. And then she also had her mother who was in the middle stages and the mother in the middle stages was wandering, wringing her hands, trying to find something to do because she knew that she should be doing something. So she would like open up all the cabinets and pull out all the food and like she'd be trying to, you know, her in her routine, she would be making a meal, but it was just a disaster because she would just yeah. not know really what she was doing. So she would make a mess. She would also wander out the door and leave. And so the, the father who was supposed to be supervising the mother, but he had such poor memory, he didn't keep up with her. And so when the daughter would come home from work, she, she literally never knew what she was going to come home to. So sometimes the mother was missing. Sometimes the father was missing and the car was missing or they were, they were both missing and the house was a mess and the doors were wide open. And, you know, just, it was so stressful. So, so eventually she just, when she picked up the boys and she came home from work, she locked all of them in the home. So five of them just got locked in the house from about 5 p.m. until the oh. next day. Mm -hmm. And on weekends too, locked in. Mm -hmm. So the boys couldn't play sports and the boys couldn't go to the friends' houses because she couldn't leave the, the parents. Yeah. Um, so I was just heartbroken for this situation. I'm like, why is there not a place for you guys to go? This is, this is ridiculous. You know, they couldn't go to the mall. They couldn't go to the movies. They couldn't go to a restaurant. They, couldn't, they could not really, they had no place to go. Mm -hmm. So I left, I left their home one day feeling kind of, um, sad, you know, kind of sad and discouraged yeah. and, you know, and I drove past the park, a public park. And there is an area where these little small children were playing on the playground and all the moms were hanging out on the benches and ah. talking and socializing and hanging out. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, why is there not a public park for older adults? Like specifically geared toward them for the whole family, even not necessarily just for dementia, but inclusive of dementia. Like how do we make it safe for those people too? Yeah. So that, that started me down a path where, you know, I walked into, um, I, I live in Maryland. I walked into the city of Frederick to the mayor's office and I said, Hey, I want to build a park for, for seniors. And then he said, Oh, that's a pretty good idea. Let's do, you know, it sounds like a good idea. Man, I'm like, All right. So I thought it would take two, two weeks. Maybe <laughs> we'd, we'd put up a fence and put some stuff in there and, you know, I'll bring my shovel. My husband will help. You know, I thought yeah. it really was that simple. And now we're looking like, honestly, May is five years that I've been working this. <clears throat> so I've learned a lot along the way. I had to, I had to form a nonprofit to, um, to legitimize the cause, which okay. is to build publicly accessible, to build accessible public parks, um, that are senior centric and dementia okay. friendly for older adults. Um, so it's called seniorscapes. It's a 501 C three. Um, we've been in, in existence for about two years now. Um, and the first park, which is already kind of designed and ready to plop in the ground, um, should happen next year. We're just waiting on a few formalities with, um, the city of Frederick to pass an MOU and agreement between the nonprofit and the city of what, who's going to do what. Um, so hopefully that gets approved next month and we are, we are rolling, but, um, you know, what I have to bring to the table is a lot of money. I have to finance the whole thing because not the whole thing, a lot of it. Yeah. Because it's not, um, 
budgeted yet. It's just not a con like if, if this was a children's playground. Okay, we'll we'll throw another hundred grand in the budget and we'll you know we'll build that out in, in a year. Yeah. You know, but it, because it's a new thing, or I, you know, who knows what the the stigma is about it. Everybody's excited about it. Yeah. Um, you know, so and it's it's such a no brainer idea. So um, you can go to the website to see a few pictures of or follow us on Facebook at senior seniorscapes.org. <clears throat> um, but in general, so the park is, you know, it can be, it can be any size from like maybe a, a quarter acre to a full acre if you wanted to, you know, have it really awesome. <laughs> yeah. But there's fitness equipment. And so the, the whole area is fenced in for the wander prone, you know, to keep <laughs> everybody kind of contained. And there's only one entrance and exit and there's, you know, so that if a caregiver wants to hang out, there's a pavilion right by the entrance and exit. So they can just kind of relax knowing yeah. that they're not going to wander off and they can kind of guard the entrance and exit. So when you first come in, there's um, fitness equipment um, right off the bat. And mm -hmm. those, that's, you know, they're, they're for older adults who just want to come in and work out and leave, Yeah, um, which is great. There's a walking path around the whole thing. There's um, activities so to work on. That's yeah. Activity. Walking that, is huge. Yeah. yeah. Cardiovascular health. Um, there's, there's stations for balance, which is a huge thing that people need to keep going, you know, yeah. there's kind of physical challenges like, um, but everything's, everything's modified. So it's safe. So like there's a, there's a fake stream that runs through it. If you see pictures of it, the stream is painted uh -huh. and the idea is to like give the perception of a risk without there actually being a risk. So uh. there's, there's four different ways to cross the stream. You can cross over a balance beam. You can cross um, with stepping stones that kind of alternates your gait pattern. You mm -hmm. can um, go over a ramp bridge or a step bridge, or you can just walk flat across it because it's completely flush. <laughs> but yeah. so those, those four mo motor challenges, mobility challenges are things they might run into in real life. You know, I can get to practice those skills like ramps and steps and yeah. um, tandem walking is what it's called with one foot in front of the other and kind of figuring out motor planning where to put your feet because these are these are neurodegenerative symptoms of of diseases like parkinson's and alzheimer's and you know these are and actually yeah. just decline in general for people who as they age Bad so balance, anyway yes yeah for yeah so they can work on all those things and then as you go deeper into the park um there's sensory and cognitive challenges kind of for brain health so there's a music station there's a clock game to practice telling time and you know um it, you, you'd be surprised how much, how hard that is actually to tell time. Uh, yeah. Um, reading, reading an analog clock and forget it. Our kids are not going to know how to use an analog clock. Like they, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they only know how to read a digital clock, but for, you know, the boomers now, I mean, to, to compare a digital clock, digital time to match the digital time to an analog times is kind of takes some mental flexibility. You'd be surprised. Um, yeah. there's a memory game. So if you come up on a sign and on the sign are four shapes, um, you got to remember those four shapes because 20 feet down the path, there's only three shapes and which one's missing. And the yeah, next 20 feet, there's it. only two shapes, which one's missing. So it's memory games built in. There's a scavenger hunt, which is great for visual, yeah. um, visual scanning of the environment, which is another thing that people tend to lose as they age, the ability to do that. So like if I was in a restaurant and I can't scan the environment to find the restroom or find the exit, cause mm -hmm. you just kind of lose the perception of attention to things that are far away. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's just to practice these kind of things. So it's got a lot of science built into it. Um, it's got a lot of just good old fashioned, get outside and be in nature and, and all the special ever changing elements that nature can bring, <laughs> yeah. you know, that we need, yeah, that's that we need. it's yeah, that yes, the... socialization. There's all this 
research that shows that, you know, in having a public park a certain distance from your home, that you're more likely to live, you know, live longer, live better, all these indicators of better quality of life. Um, it's just having access to the outdoors. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have a birthday party there with your whole family. Yeah. The, the nursing home can bring over a bunch of people and let them hang out and do stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're in a wheelchair, there's a, there's a place you could work on standing because how many, how many facilities do you go to? If you're, if you're in a wheelchair, sorry, you're staying in your wheelchair. You're not going to be able to stand up. Nobody gives you that opportunity. Let's just Mm -hmm. stand for the sake of standing. No, (laughs) go from this chair to this chair and that's all you get. So anyway, I could go on and on about seniorscapes. It's my passion. It Um, sounds like it. Yeah, I know. It's a great one though. (laughs) Pretty proud about it. It's, it's something that, I mean, you made a, a statement about, that if it had been a park for kids that they, they could put an extra hundred thousand, whatever in the budget, but with, with, but for this, because it's new, well, it's not going to be new. We're like, we're living longer. There's more, yeah. you know, the baby boomers are, are here. It, we're in a, you know, they're in effect and, and it's, it's just something that, you know, more and more people are, are um, becoming caregivers because more and more people are getting some form, you know, of dementia and it's not going away. So, and if you think about like, this is another, you know, and I love kids. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to beat up on the kids that I want them to have their stuff. Um, but in the public park systems as as it is, you know, you have, you have specialty features based on the user. So you have, you have children's parks and they're sometimes split into like the little toddlers and the older kids. You have, you have parks dedicated to sports and all the different kinds of athletes. And so there's basketball and baseball and soccer and, you know, lots of different features for them. There's, um, you know, and if you want to say, well, there, there are pavilions for families. Well, how accessible are they? You know, because if I have to walk a half a mile to get to that pavilion from my car, you know, yeah. that's not really conducive for a senior. Yeah. Um, and even the dogs have their own space, you yeah. know, like that's like, they're as if they're taxpaying citizens. They're really not. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I love but animals, but yeah. I do too. I love yeah. dogs. And I think the dog parks are great. And, and I think people, you know, that's what they want. That's great. But you know, here's this, the, the largest taxpaying demographic, um, that just needs, it's not even an expensive fix. It's just thinking about it differently. Like, why is there not amenities for them? You know, like in, from the fitness aspect, like you have those parks that have, um, you know, the courses where you, you run along the path and there's a push-up station. Yeah. Which nobody uses. (laughs) And, and yeah, so you have to really be able to go a full mile to complete all of those stations. Yeah. Right. Um, and now they've started clumping them together, which is fine too, but is there shade over those, you know, or how far is it to get to them? And is the equipment really appropriate for an older adult? So it's those sort of considerations that, um, you know, that I've just, my eyes just got opened up to. And I, the more, the more I thought about it, the more thing problems with the whole system I kept finding. I'm like, okay, wait, we have to fix this. 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 So yeah. Cause if we don't fix it now, you know, starting with senior scapes and, and I'm sure there's there, you know, whatever it is having to relate to, you know, as it relates to the boomers and, you know, our seniors, then we don't fix it now. Then when are, when are we going to fix it? Like it's, it's not going away and we're only living longer. And, um, you know, that's definitely like my eyes got opened to this, you know, factor of the caregivers, you know, you know, going unpaid and, and all the things that happen to caregivers when, you know, they, you know, they take on a loved one that didn't plan to either one be around that long or, or 
plan for any kind of care because they can't care for themselves anymore. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's very heartbreaking. So I, I get your passion. I hear it. I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, <laughs> it's definitely, you know, the education process is building awareness is, is huge. And I will, I'm, you know, I'm on your side, you know, so oh, thanks, anything, Kim. Yeah, so anything that I can do to help you with that, I'm, I will say it again, you know, as, on record, you know, as we record that, you know, it's, it's, it's a passion that I, you know, anything I can do to help. I'm, I believe in that. I, I feel like if we could start having these conversations now instead of later, um, on every level that will, yeah, there, there is no later. Off. I mean, we're here. Yeah. Like, I love that expression. We'll cross that bridge and we get to it. Well, okay, we're, we're here. We're at the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> so it's time to cross it, except the bridge isn't built. So yeah. we, we gotta, we gotta build it now. Why do you, in your so. experience, why do you think it's so taboo to have that for people to be able to have that conversation? Why is the conversation so tough to say, Hey, what happens if you can no longer take care of yourself and you, and you live you know, past the expected age or not even, you know, what if you have a heart attack and get dementia, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, why is, why do you think it's so tough for people to have that conversation about what they want done and what plan they have in place if they have one? Yeah. Well, it's scary. First of all, um, yeah. you know, people like, and plus they, they'd rather defer to their spouse. Well, they'll know what to do or they'll take care of me or, you know, my daughter, she'll, she'll step up and she'll, you know, and you know, it's really funny, you know, as, as everybody's living longer, the, just because the lifespan is increasing doesn't mean the wealth span is. So people are just living longer with, with more disease. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, we can keep people alive a long time. Yeah. So that's what people don't plan for. They don't think, you know, well, yeah, I might live to be a hundred and 20 of those years are going to be terrible. Like <laughs> they don't think yeah. that way. They think just the last year I'll die. You know, I'll, I'll probably start, you know what I mean? They think, they think death happens either in their sleep or they get something quickly and it goes, but they live with, chronic conditions and pain and inconvenience yeah. for years. Yes. And you, that is a hard thing to plan for. Um, so if I can just put on my health coaching hat for a minute, that's just why, you know, because I know how this, I know how the lifespan goes at, at this point um, yeah. and, and all the things you can get stuck with, with your, in your later years that you've got to start in your forties and fifties mm -hmm. um, planning your, your well span. Like I, how do I keep diabetes at bay? How do I keep my the weight off? How do I keep my bones healthy and my joints healthy? And, you know, how do I break all those bad habits now? Because that's why, you know, it's not like you want to lose a few pounds so you look good in the summer. You want to, yeah. you want to keep the weight yeah. off so that your joints aren't falling apart when you're 75 because yeah. it's a long lifespan. It's a long time to live disabled and you don't want that. Yeah. So that's the conversations I would have. Like that, that's my soapbox these days is just more early intervention you know, midlife people have got to get it together. And, you know, yeah, you're taking care of your parents now. If you don't want that to be your future, then you have to address it now. Yeah. Know? Well, let me tell you, ever since I went through this with my mom going now on seven years, I definitely am quick to ask, you know, my friends, you know, anybody who wants to talk to me about, you know, what I did and how and, and why and everything as it relates to dementia with my mom, I tell them at the end of our conversation, do you have a plan? Do you know what you want done? You know, if you live longer mm -hmm. than, you know, like what's your plan? Well, I have a will. No, it's not about, you know, if you die, it's about if you live, if you live, that yes. is absolutely yeah. true. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. You can have a, a plan for dying, but nobody has a plan for living. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> you've got yes. to figure that out. Um, yeah. Early intervention for sure, like keeping yeah. things at bay and just 
um, like you said, to stay in a reasonable, healthy um, life where you're not in pain and you're not, um, and for lack of better words, and it's the only word I can think of, a burden to your children or mm-hmm. someone, you know. Yeah, nobody wants that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the yeah. first thing everybody says. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, if they, they say that, when they say that to me, I'm like, well, you're going to be, you know, like, yeah. you know, my dad makes a joke about just, you know, putting them out to pasture and putting a bullet in them. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what they think is that that's, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> not funny and it's not going to happen. Um, so, you know, come on, let's have this conversation, which he's gotten a lot better, but it's, it's definitely, I feel like it's that it's a generational thing that they think, Oh, you know, just put me out to pasture. And yeah. Cause it whatever. doesn't go that way anymore. Yeah, at a, absolutely not. So yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. Age. Um, <laughs> Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on today. How can um, folks get a hold of you if they want to learn more um, about seniorscapes and maybe possibly donate to your cause? Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, so the website is seniorscapes.org. Okay. We also have a Facebook page, um, Seniorscapes. I think it's Seniorscapes Inc. Well, I mean, I can check real quick. Um, also, yeah, check real fast I, before we move forward, so that way we you have okay. it stated correctly. All right, seniorscapes, seniorscapes Inc. Yes, okay. INC. Um, yeah, my my website uh, is Sue M Paul or the Dementia Queen dot com. Okay. Um, and I'm on Facebook too, so I have a page, a Facebook page, Sue M Paul, and then I also have me, Sue Paul. You can I'm a chatterbox on Facebook, so. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. So <laughs> hit me up there for sure. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate it. And um, I will definitely be sending people your way. Um, I look forward to your, um, you know, to the groundbreaking ribbon. Uh, yeah. Cutting. I'll invite you for sure. Yes. <laughs> do. I, I look forward to that. So thank, thank you again, Sue. And, um, and thank you to the listeners. Um, First, I always like to say until next week, remember sharing is caring and to the caregivers listening in the words of Dottie Gandhi, you have my undying love, gratitude and admiration. And to those that have not had that conversation with their family about dementia, please start talking about the what if. Remember, tomorrow is promised to no one. If you want to listen to other episodes, go to thatkimberly.com to choose where you want to listen them, listen to them whether it's iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and now Amazon Alexa. And you can always connect with me as well on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again. And bye, Sue. Hold on. Bye. Thanks, Kim. Thanks. Oh. Hey, I'm here. Okay, good. You still says you're still recording though. Yeah, yeah. Hold on one second. Um, I'm just going to say, we'll start one more time. Bye, Sue. Bye, Kim. Thank you.